We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Tuesday afternoon edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, February 8th. I'm joined by Kenny Ducey, who makes his second appearance, I think in the span of about a month on this NBA podcast. After we we went Kenny list for the first like three, four months of the NBA season. Uh, Kenny, I enlisted you to hop on. I, I initially wanted to talk about a couple of the smaller trades that we had go down uh, over the weekend. Karis Levert on his way to Cleveland. Uh, we had Portland deal Norman Powell to the Clippers. Uh, and then we were going to talk some All-Star, but so much has happened just in the last three hours alone that I think we're going to have to scrap the All-Star talk. We'll, we'll focus almost exclusively on your L.A. Clippers, but we need to start with the Indiana Pacers-Sacramento Kings trade that broke about an hour ago. DeMontis Sabonis on his way to Sacramento, Tyrese Halliburton on his way to Indiana. There's some filler, some filler I should say, involved on both sides. Buddy Heald uh, will join um, Halliburton in Indiana. Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb on their way to Sacramento. We're a lot less concerned about that than, than we are that the two main pieces in this deal, Sabonis and Halliburton. When you saw this come across the wire earlier this afternoon, what was your first impression? Is there one side that you that you really like, one side that you dislike? Yeah, so he, here's my thing. With, I, and you can call me a big hater. Um, so look, here, objectively, this was a, an abhorrent trade by the Kings, right? I think everyone knows that. That's correct. Um, my My biggest thing is... I am a huge Tyler, Tyrese Halliburton hater because I think that people people think that they're smart by saying Tyrese Halliburton's good because he has a weird jump shot. And I think the the he, there was a big misconception about the fact that he was bad coming into the draft and teams didn't want to draft a guy that shot like that. So everyone is like, no, this guy's good. And then he shot over 40% from three. 
And I almost feel like people are patting themselves on the back when they're like, oh, well, yeah, this guy's really good. Look, the guy hits threes and he plays. I mean, I guess he plays defense. The, the problem for me is I would just like to see him on a better team and see if he's actually that good because the Kings in, in general play terrible defense. Um, you know, obviously he's a good shooter, but there's a lot of good shooters in the league. And I don't know. I, I'm just, I think that for me anyway, the jury's still out on this guy. And I, I would love nothing more than, you know, for me to be important enough in like five years that someone like runs all the way back to this podcast and clips out this part about Tyrese Halberton. And it's like, wow, this guy was such an idiot, but look, I, I don't think that he's, I don't think he's this untouchable, amazing player, this budding, you know, eight, nine time all-star whatever. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think he's okay. But to say like, you know, first of all, I think the Kings saying he was untouchable in a Ben Simmons trade says more about Ben Simmons to me. I don't know if anyone really actually wants Ben Simmons or that you have to have the right team for Ben Simmons. Also the, I just didn't, I don't know if it makes sense for the Kings. I mean, I don't think anything makes sense for the Kings at this point, but that, you know, I, I'm not shocked that his value was not what Twitter thought his value was. Let me just put it that way. I think he's a fine player. I don't think he's bad, but I think that, you know, on online, we have this, this, this big, like he's, he's the Twitter's favorite player. So obviously Twitter's going to light up the Kings for this trade. And I mean, you know, I guess a little rightly so, but I also like, I, I think it's, I think that the Kings are losers, but also I don't really think that I think Twitter's a loser in this trade because I don't, th I think that we learned that his value might not be really as high as we all thought it was. So I mean, good luck with trying to build around Sabonis. Uh, my friend made a really good point. Um, you should follow him on Twitter. Uh, well, actually, he's private, so you probably can't. But um, I, you know, we were talking about this trade, and we've been talking about the Miles Turner, Demonte Sabonis Pacers for a long time because he's wanted Miles Turner to get traded to the Knicks. That's like a very common Knicks Twitter thing. And by the way, most of my Tyrese Halliburton hate stems from Knicks Twitter because everyone wanted them to draft. Tyrese Halliburton uh, last year and they drafted Obi Toppin instead. And like, these are the same people that wanted them to draft Chris Singleton, you know, back in like 2011. So I don't really trust them. I think they're, I think, I think that Nick's Twitter's kind of thinks that they're a little too smart, but anyway, um, they might've been right about Halliburton. And I, I ultimately think that this, you know, he, we talked about this miles Turner potential deal. And I was like, well, what if the Knicks just, but the Knicks just got Sabonis. Like I'd rather have Sabonis than Randall at this point. Um, and, and, you know, I sort of really held firm to my belief that Sabonis was good. And I think he's a really good offensive player. But, you know, my, my friend made this point that, well, look, you know, in crunch time, if, if you're going to be a serious team, you know, like the Clippers take, for example, which I, well, this is definitely going to be the only time I bring up the Clippers, you know, they're going to, in, in the playoffs, they're going to have Marcus Morris at the five. He's a very undersized five, but he shoots threes. He, he's, you know, a, a true power forward, really, or stretch four but he'll probably play the five. And, you know, th that's just what, sort of what happens. Teams go small late in games. And, you know, your, your big man that gets you buckets from his, with his back to the basket who shoots mid-range jumpers isn't really that useful late in games because that's just, that's just not how the, today's league works. So I do see that there's a little bit of merit to not wanting Sabonis on your team or, or you know, maybe he's not that valuable. And I think in a larger aspect, no one would, no one would take a look at the Kings and say, they know what they're doing right now. So yeah, I think with that, uh, it was, I mean, I'm sure you agree. It was a head scratching trade, but I also have many thoughts about 
Halliburton being overrated and, you know, maybe, maybe Sabonis' value is just kind of killed at this point. Um, but maybe he, I think he's pretty good on the Kings. Like if the Kings want, like, I think the Kings, I, wow, we're, I'm just going, I think this is like three minutes on the Kings or four, but I think that they, they probably just came to this realization that, well, Hey, we wanted to have this run and gun style offense, just a bunch of shooters. That's why they loved buddy healed and, Halliburton's a great shoot and it just doesn't work. And so I know that they drafted Bagley and we all made fun of Bagley last yesterday because of that uh, old ESPN tweet that resurfaced. But, you know, I, maybe they're like, let's, let's just, let's try to, let's try to rebuild our offense and <laughs> try something different. Um, let's definitely not focus on defense. Let's just fix our offense, you know, cause that was the problem. So I'm not really sure what they're doing, but um, it was certainly a, it, this, this was an eventful wild day. A lot to unpack there. Uh, first of all, that ESPN tweet that you mentioned, I had to verify that that was even real. That was Sam. one of the wilder tweets that I've seen brought <laughs> back up. And I, I, I thought it, it may have been like a parody or, or, or something that somebody doctored up. That was very real. Insane tweet at the time, even crazier in retrospect. So, I mean, let me let me try to kind of sum up what you said. So you think it's a disastrous deal for the Kings, but you're also not that high on Halliburton. Is it basically just two teams swapping players that you think are – Good, not great, and ultimately inconsequential as far as what happens with these teams the rest of this season or, or even into next season? I wouldn't say inconsequential, but I guess I also would say inconsequential because these are two bad teams. And I think one day, if, and the, you know, the Pacers, obviously, you know, they, they, I don't think they really have a direction at this point. I mean, obviously the, the Karis Levert's no longer there. I think people are maybe excited about him. I wouldn't say, you know, getting built around, but they had a little core there and, and Brogdon gave them some really good years, but you know, obviously it's run its course. So they're trying to just stack whatever assets they can at this point and move on. But I also just, I, I think that they have a really long way to go. Right. So in the sense that in that sense, it is a little inconsequential because Halliburton we just saw Halliburton playing on a terrible team for two years, just hitting threes, you know, uh, having some 30 point games and getting, you know, praised, but like ultimately that, you know, the Kings weren't winning and the Kings, we know that, I mean, especially now that they've gotten rid of a, a, a buddy healed and Terry Halliburton and they replaced him with, replaced both of those guys with, you know, Justin holiday and Jeremy lamb and Sabonis. Like, I don't think they're really serious about winning right now. I think maybe they, have hopes that Sabonis could turn into a really solid offensive piece to build around. But uh, yeah, I mean, these teams aren't going to be in the playoffs most likely for like the next three years. I think we would probably agree unless they really hit a home run with one of their draft picks. So in that sense, yeah, it's kind of inconsequential. I think it was, it was a much bigger deal on Twitter than it really was in the league. I think, I think people were just kind of really shocked, but also here's, here's some things that are right about the, that are true about the Kings. Um, the Kings are a terrible franchise. The Kings have not been good in two years. I was under the impression that maybe it was Luke Walton's fault. It's clear that it's not. And I don't know why people like the Kings. I don't know. Unless you live in Sacramento, I think that the Kings were, you know, people think that they're this fun league pass team and like we all love to tweet about them. But like what, like I just don't understand what the redeeming qualities of this team are. And they continue to make terrible decisions they don't play any defense, and I just feel like they have been making the same mistakes for years now. They need 
they need an overhaul. They need better guidance in their, in, you know, in their future. And this is very, it makes it very clear. You're trying to build around an offensively centered big man when you're, you've had, you had a historically bad defense last year, pretty bad defense this year. And you had one guy that, you know, universally people loved Tyrese Albertan and thought he was a good player. And then you traded him away. I mean, I also frankly would have loved to see a contender go for Buddy Heald. Like, I could yeah. see Buddy Heald coming off the bench for a, a good team. Just uh, like, look, here's the thing: if Jordan Clarkson can have a role on a really good playoff team, so can Buddy Heald, right? Just put him on the bench, and you know, some you know, you're gonna get a, a few games where he hits five threes, and you know, he's the story of the night, and and you win, you know, game two or game three in a, in a big playoff series. You're going to get some nights where he can't shoot and you you throw him right back on the bench because you're a deep team. I don't know. I, I I felt like the Kings could have managed those assets a little bit better. I think that's the story of the last like 20 years of the Sacramento Kings. I mean, I, I feel like this than the initial Twitter reaction. So I think you're on the right track there. I mean, I, I don't know that De'Aaron Fox and Demonta Sabonis, I, I don't think that's going to turn out all that differently than Sabonis in Indiana. I think ultimately you have two guys who are, are – Good players on paper. I think the numbers can look really good, especially with Sabonis, but two guys who have not been winning players whatsoever. And and I don't think we trust Sacramento to put the pieces around those two. You have to almost build like a, not a perfect roster. I mean, Sabonis isn't, isn't like that damaging of a player by any means on the defensive end, but you know, those two alone are not going to drag you to even the seven or the eight spot in the Western conference. Like you need to fill out that roster really, really well to build around that, those two guys. And you're probably not bringing anyone in who's better than those two. I mean, ideally, if De'Aaron Fox is your third best player, you're in really good shape. If Fox and Sabonis are your 1A, 1B, I don't know if you're in all that great of shape. But on, on the Buddy Heel point, I did not realize that he has two more years after this year at 20 mil per season left on his contract. I think if there was one yeah, more year after insane. this one or if he was if he was expiring, then it's a lot different. You know, Then I think a lot more contending teams are in the mix. But even though he's third in the league in made threes, once again this year, he's always seemingly in the top three or four. I, I just think no, like contending teams just don't want to take on 20 million next year, 20 million in 2023, 24. Yeah, you're right. I, I actually didn't realize he had two years left on his deal as well. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the thing about it is both of these teams have uh, currently are picking five and six in the lottery or, or, you know, I guess that the terms of the way that the odds, I mean, it's all, the lottery is all different now, obviously, but um, they, they, they have pretty good odds at getting a high pick in the lottery. Um, and there's going to be some, some, you know, there's going to be some really talented guards some really talented bigs up at the top of this board. And, you know, I mean, the obvious, the obvious guys that are, that are exciting are like, you know, your Bancheros and your Holmgrens, but I just feel like this, this could be a really good draft class. So, uh, you know, I think it, it sort of doesn't really matter, you know, right about this trade. I mean, I think if either one of these teams hits a home run with their draft pick again, like now it's okay. Now you, now you pair De'Aaron Fox with. Uh, you know, with Sabonis on like a really good, a really good shooter or, you know, or, or, or really a stretch five. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sabonis may, I don't know. I, I also think you could turn Sabonis into a stretch five. Like I, he, he's a 32% three point shooter, which isn't like good, but yeah. he obviously can shoot the basketball, like physically shoot the basketball. Um, he shoots from mid range and he, I, he, he's a talented offensive scorer. This guy is still very young and like, I, I get that he's not as exciting and as young as Halliburton, but I, I mean, you could, you could do something with him. Like he doesn't have to yeah. be waste. Right. Uh, so I don't know. Right. I just don't really know what to think. 
I just didn't really expect to have to care about the Pacers and the Kings I today. I think that's the bottom line. Well, both of these teams are in like almost the exact same situation. They have almost the exact same record. They're both in kind of the same spot in the East and the West. So it, it really feels like it is a trade that's going to be, there's going to be a bunch of talk about it. And then I feel like we're not going to hear much about either of these guys the rest of the way as everything focuses more and more on the postseason. I mean, neither of these teams are going to be involved. It's going to be interesting to see what Indiana does, I think, with Brogdon long-term. He can't be traded during this season, obviously signed the extension. That's looking like a, a bit of an issue, I, I think, going forward. And I, I think we're starting to see exactly why, you know, three years ago now, Milwaukee was was seemingly okay letting Malcolm Brogdon walk away. I mean, when, when he's healthy, he's been fantastic. He certainly lived up to that deal. But, I mean, we're getting to the point with Brogdon where you have to pencil him in for, what, at minimum 20, 25 absences. I mean, he's played two games since Christmas Day. I, I think this is just kind of how it's going to go going forward with Brogdon. And I think if you're Indiana, and I wouldn't say this is going to be a full teardown rebuild. You know, you still have Miles Turner. Obviously, Halliburton is young, but he's, he's still a good player. He's still a plus player. I mean, you have Buddy Heald uh, seemingly at least for two more years beyond this. I would think they'd try to move him at some point. But I, I do wonder, you know, this coming summer, if they start to explore a Brogdon deal, the question is, I mean, you're not going to get a Sabonis type of return for Malcolm Brogdon based on his age and based on the injury risk. So if you do end up moving him, like, is Indiana going to be okay with potentially, you know, taking a loss or taking 75 cents on the dollar? Yeah, and I think it's a good question. And I think it also sort of depends on, or it, it, it kind of goes back to the whole Halliburton thing. You know, how, how good can he make them? I know this is, uh, as a colleague of mine said, this is like his team now which is is a new concept for him because he's only in the second year and like the the Kings really weren't his team. And I, I think I think I certainly think that if this trade turns them around really quickly, there's definitely room for for Brogdon. I mean, you know, obviously his contract is is what it is, but there's obviously room for him to help this team out. So I I, I think that I mean, I think that they sort of see the writing on the wall with that, with him and that deal and, and what they're going to be able to get. But I also think like maybe they just keep him around um, because I, I think that they've done, they've done well to trade away all their good assets. And also Miles Turner is on this team. Like I remember, I mentioned him earlier, but we keep forgetting to talk about him. Will they trade him? Uh, I don't know. I think that they should. I think that they should trade whoever they can. Um, maybe not Lance Stevenson. I don't think they will. I think they than, should, but I don't think they will. You don't think they'll trade Miles Turner? I, I, I think Miles so. Turner has a lot of value either, right now. I think he does. I'm with you. I, I'm saying if I'm them, I would. I would do a full teardown, see what you can get for Miles Turner, especially if some team is willing to dangle a Halliburton-like asset and you can become you know, this, this up-and-coming young team all of a sudden. I think you do it. But even going all the way back to mid-November when these rumors started coming up, it was always they want to deal two of three you know, out of Sabonis, Levert, and, and Miles Turner. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that's, that's, that's just reporting that leaked out. It, it wouldn't shock me if he was dealt before three o'clock on Thursday, but I, I think they've accomplished what they wanted to accomplish in, in condensing that core and, and getting a young guy in Halbert. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's mission accomplished there and it's mission, mission not accomplished by the Kings. We could say, because yeah, I, I, I agree with you that I think it was, I think it, the, the Pacers got back a, 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 a more than people thought they were going to get back for Sabonis. I, I do, I do kind of still think that it was that it was fair compensation. But you could certainly make the argument that they kind of fleeced the Kings, and now, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I certainly also think that, like you said, that they should move Miles Turner. And yes, 
Well, I, I think the longer we wait till the deadline, the the likelier that becomes because I feel like the pressure is going to be on other teams and and the, the the price will they'll eventually meet the price pay up for Turner. I think he's got a lot of value as a stretch five and a like imagine Mitchell Robinson after last night we saw him play insane. Imagine that guy shot threes like that's basically Miles Turner or could be anyway. He, he's he's sort of been he's sort of been minimized on that team because he's next to Sabonis. I, I feel like his his output just isn't what it could be, you know, in the rebounding department and even in the scoring department, he shoots like one, three a game, which I always yeah. make fun of. I always make fun of people for saying he's like a great three point stretch five. Cause I'm like, look, he shoots like one, he hits one, three a game. The, the it's form like, looks really good. Right. It, to be fair, that's the same thing with Jokic. Jokic hits like one, three every couple of games. And you're like, Oh, this guy's got it all. He can shoot, you know? And I, I think there's a clear difference between you know like your Jokic's and and even like a Turner and then like Joel Embiid you know who is like clearly that's a big part of his game shooting threes um so I don't know I I think I I think that I think that the bottom line here is that yes Turner could be a a a weapon for a, a good team and I also think going back to what I said earlier while we're talking about shooting that Sabonis could could easily be a good stretch five like I I mean he had one weird small year, I think, with a with a great three point percentage, he can shoot. You know, inside the arc, I you could definitely work on his jump shot and make him into a really really good big man. I almost feel, by the way, like the Kings. Remember with the Buddy Heald thing where they saw Steph Curry and they're like, "We can do this with Buddy Heald." I almost feel like the same situation goes for for Jokic and Embiid. Like they're dominating the league right now, and they're probably like, "Look, we can get this guy." For, for significantly, significantly less than what we could get Embiid or Jokic for. I mean, who you, you can't get, obviously. And we could just work on his three-point shot and turn him into the next Jokic, right? We, we see something that no one else sees. That's like the story of the Kings. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, man, before we dig into the Portland Trailblazers, who have essentially gutted the roster uh, around Damian Lillard, it is time to talk monkey knife fight. We got a huge Tuesday night slate tonight. For some reason, the NBA schedule continues to just be backwards these last couple of weeks, like small slates on Mondays, huge slates on Tuesdays. Uh, so we have 10 games on the schedule tonight. Uh, go to monkeyknifefight.com. You can sign up there, claim your 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And if you use our promo code RWNBA, that's RW as in Rotowire, NBA, uh, all one word, all caps, you will get a free $10 NBA ticket entry. You can use that to win cash tonight on MKF. You could 20X, 100X, even 500X your buying amount, depending on the contest. But uh, Kenny, I want to focus on a three by three contest uh, that you will 5X your money, I guess. I don't know what the, the, the proper term would be, like quintuple your money, I guess, if you go you three go. for three. And we're talking player props for the Philadelphia 76ers Phoenix Suns showdown in Philly tonight. Philly, I believe, last time I checked, a one-point favorite in this one. Uh, definitely the headliner on this slate tonight. And we will start with Chris Paul. Over under 10.5 assists tonight, Kenny. He is a huge assist man. I'm actually going to go under. I think that this number is a little inflated. It's hard It's hard to, to go under on the Chris Paul assists. Um, I believe he missed his assist total. Last night, because Devin Booker missed a garbage time jump shot, which I think was pretty funny. Um, I'm going to go under. I think Philly's playing good defense. Top top 10 in the last, or 11th actually, in the last two weeks. I beg your pardon. I think Philly wins this game. And uh, yeah, I believe in I believe in Matisse Thibault's ability to, unless unless he's not playing, shut down these shooters. Thibault's questionable last time I saw. I, I, I actually said the same thing on the DK show this morning. Right? Like If Thibault plays in this game, I really like Philly. I think it's a tough spot for Phoenix. They're coming in on a back-to-back. They played in Chicago last night. It's their third game in four nights. Uh, so, I, I mean, Chris Paul's been just ridiculously consistent that his bad games at this point are still seven, eight, nine assists. He's averaging 10.4 on the year. That's his highest since, like, 2013. But I'm with you. I'm going under. I like the Sixers. This feels like a good spot for Phoenix to be tripped up. 
Um, you know, Paul's been playing a ton of minutes lately as well. You'd think that's going to catch up at some point. How about Joel Embiid over under 11 and a half rebounds? I'll go, I'll go over, uh, the, the Phoenix Suns have not been a good team inside. I actually don't know if you're going to talk again about Joel Embiid. Are you? Cause I, otherwise I'll just go off on the Suns front court. No, go off, please. Well, I, I, I mean, they, they've been really bad in the restricted area all year or excuse me um, in the paint all year. So I, I really just like Embiid in general in this game and last two weeks, you know, their, their rebounding has been, you know, closer to average than, than you'd expect. I know Aiton's been out, but um, yeah, I, I think that this is in general an, a, a weaker front court than the, than the, um, than the, the Sixers. Sorry. I'm trying to think. So I do think Embiid will be out there for long enough. He, he, he racked up rebounds in a big way against Chicago yep. who are, are pretty decent in that regard. So I believe in him here. Yeah. He's gone over in seven of his last nine. Uh, and, and again, if we think Philly's going to win this game, probably a big night for Embiid. So I'll join you uh, on the more there on 11 and a half. And we finish out with Devin Booker. We got a points prop for Devin Booker, 28 and a half points tonight for Booker in Philly. Yeah. I'll, I guess I guess I'll go over. I have to show the Suns some love. I mean, I I really just talked all about how I love this Sixers defense, but someone has to score, and you know the fact that Thibault is questionable here does concern me a little bit. I also feel like he'll he'll draw some Seth Curry and Danny Green plenty, so Booker can do it. I'll I'll go over on Booker. All right, we're going three for three. I have over as well on twenty eight and a half. He's gone over. We did not plan this. Last eight. No, we didn't. We did not at all. He's gone over in six of his last eight, and in one of those two where he didn't go over, he had exactly 28 points. So he's been right there. He had that weird game against Washington. That was a blowout where, where Phoenix struggled offensively. He's been in a major zone. I, I think it could maybe be a longer night for Chris Paul, uh, but I think Devin Booker gets his points even if Phoenix loses this game. Again, make sure to use our code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. Get that free $10 NBA contest credit courtesy of Rotowire and Monkey Night Fight. And again, check out monkeyknifefight.com for that 100% deposit match. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball, and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes who have the biggest impacts on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. That will give you access to everything on our website, not just our NBA content, all of our other sports, a ton of value wrapped up 
in that free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you can go about claiming your free Rotowire subscription. Step one, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Finally, step three, play in your first paid contest and then you'll receive that free six-month Rotowire subscription. Thrive Fantasy, check it out today. All right, it's time to talk Blazers. The, the Blazers have basically gutted the entire roster around Lillard, like I said before the break. I mean, we're down to – I mean, if they, I think they do actually play tonight. They will likely start Anthony Simons. They do, they do play tonight. Yeah, they do. So we got Simons, Macklemore, C.J. Ellaby. Uh, Joseph Nurkic is still on this team, at least for now. Um, and then I, I guess Justice Winslow maybe makes his first start in a Blazers uniform tonight. Yeah. This is a we, we saw the writing on the wall, I think, with Friday's uh, Norman Powell, Robert Covington deal, which essentially just amounted to a salary dump of, of Norman Powell's like 70 mil. Um, you know, that I, I think he has 74 million remaining on that contract that he signed six months ago. Covington's expired. Um, you know, they brought back Eric Bledsoe. He is not going to play for Portland, will likely be rerouted. Winslow is an OK piece to me, but you didn't really bring back anyone. I think of, of great long-term value. That was basically dumping Powell's money. And then earlier this morning, we, we see kind of a similar deal in CJ McCollum. And at least in this one, you bring back Josh Hart, although it remains to be seen if he's going to stick around, you do bring back a protected 2022 first from new Orleans. And you do get Nikhil Alexander Walker, who not that long ago, you know, people thought were at least fairly high on. I mean, I think some of the, the shine has worn off him, you know, this season, but still a relatively decent, young asset. But again, at the end of the day, you're essentially dumping CJ McCollum's contract, just like you did Norman Powell. The Blazers clearly set out with one goal, which was to clear as much space as possible. They also created a $21 million trade exception in the McCollum deal. So they are now firmly in business to put pieces around Damian Lillard. You know, the question is, who do you go get? How are you acquiring? You know, how are you going to use this trade exception? What are you giving up? Um, you know, they, they've, they've created the room to do it. It's just now a matter of you know, honing in on who you're actually targeting and how you're going to pull that off. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, this might be my 2K brain, but I actually think that this is a decent team, like, as presently constructed. I know that everyone loved CJ. He's, he, he was a, a, a great player in playoffs past, you know, shot maker, great guy next to Dame. I mean, I to be fair, like, I, I know that obviously they had a lot of success, but I still never really felt like they needed him uh, because of, of the shooting and, distribution skills of uh of Damian Lillard and I think you put him next to Bledsoe and or Alexander Walker even just in the present day you know whenever he's healthy enough I mean this you know Josh Hart is is I wouldn't say Josh Hart's a great player but he's a fine if he's going to be the I don't know the fifth best player on on your starting five I think that's pretty good um I wouldn't say he is right now (laughs) because because uh you know, they're they're probably going to have to play like Justice Winslow alongside him, but like there's definitely hope here. You know, I, I do think so. I mean, I don't think tonight against the Magic there's any hope. You know, they're going to have to play like CJ Ellaby and stuff. But yeah, I mean, go go ahead. Like you, you mentioned that they have the salary now, the flexibility. I I thought Bledsoe was I wouldn't say Bledsoe was good in LA, but he certainly proved that he can be a valuable rotation member. And obviously, you mentioned you know about about Nikhil and Alexander Walker. I mean, I, I definitely think that he still has a ton of talent. Maybe, maybe, you know, I think he also like has the curse of 
a, a non top pick where it's like, you know, he can't, he was outside of the lottery and, and he's better than, you know, clearly like when he started his career, people, Oh, this guy's better than the, he should have been a lottery pick, right? He should have been drafted higher. Like he's got a lot of talent. I feel like that is like, like we're having that moment with like AO Dunsumu right now where it's like, Oh, this guy got, he was very undervalued in the draft. And then once you establish that, it's kind of over unless you're like going to become a superstar. Like I think people recognize this guy has a lot of talent, but he's 23 now and he's not done. You know, he, he's not really gotten a ton better. So what's his ceiling? I mean, I, I don't know. I think he's exciting though. I think this is an exciting haul for the Blazers. I'm more excited about the other side of this deadline with the Clippers, obviously. But I think, I think that Anthony Simons finally gets a time to shine. If it works out great. If it doesn't, you needed to, you needed to take this shot. Like you need to, Simons has a lot of talent. You need to give him, need to give him like a month or two to just see what he can do with big minutes. Um, and I, I think that you know that they could certainly add a piece um, if they want to keep Nurkic around. I think he's really good. They add they add one or two guys in free agency or or maybe even via tr- another trade. Like I could see this working out for Portland. They needed a big direction change because their defense right. was terrible last year, and obviously they flamed out in the playoffs. Like they needed a big change, so this this is a big change. Exactly. I, I think you can you can pick apart exactly what they got back. I, I mean, I think some people would argue that McCollum, you know, I, I, I think based on his age, he's not in the same conversation as someone like Sabonis. But you know, you see Sabonis getting shipped out to Sacramento, and you're getting Tyrese Halliburton back, and you know, McCollum's going to New Orleans, and you're getting Nikhil Alexander Walker, which is fine, but it's certainly nowhere near you know a Tyrese Halliburton like return. Like if, if Tyrese Halliburton was now installed in Portland alongside Lillard, I think you'd feel pretty good about it, even if it's somewhat of a redux oh, oh, yeah. of the Lillard-McCollum situation. I just don't, you know, if I'm Dame, yeah, you have all this cap room, you know, you still have, I think you probably just let Lillard make the decision on Nurkic, right? It's like, hey, do you want him back? If so, we'll resign him. If not, we'll let him go, <laughs> right. we'll trade him. Who are you going to go get? You know, are you, is Damian Lillard going to recruit Bradley Beal? Is he going to turn down his player option and go sign there? I mean, the one name that I think is is interesting, but ultimately unlikely, is Zach Levine, who's from the Seattle area. You know, closest team to Seattle right now is Portland. Maybe there would be some interest there. But other than that, I mean, you look at the free agency class, like it's not like there are, it's not like there's LeBron and Kawhi and right. Grant and all these guys are coming up like, like a couple summers ago. Like it's pretty bleak. And I, I feel like the most likely scenario is you just end up restocking the team around Lillard and, and it's, it's different faces, but it ends up looking a lot like the Blazers from the last few years where you have, you know, kind of a, a defined number two, and then a bunch of like Robert Covington level role players that, you know, when Dame is playing at his best, that could be a really good team. That could be a potential conference finals team, depending on what the rest of the West looks like. But ultimately I, I don't, I don't know how, what the path is to getting another superstar to Portland, because now that McCollum is out of the picture, like, you know, I still don't think you have the draft capital to go get, to go trade for another superstar. If somebody shakes loose, like, yeah, you created all this space, but, but like I said at the top, I just don't know what you spend it on. Um, But at the end of the day, it it is nice to see a change of direction, right? Because I think the worst case scenario would have been hanging on to McCollum, you know, re-signing Nurkic, running it back again, and just continuing to ram your head into the wall. I would agree. I would agree on the, on the future of the team. I, and also like that they should have gotten rid of CJ. I thought that was, that was the right decision, but you mentioned the class. I mean, really it, it's bleak. And to be fair, uh, which I, something I didn't mention with the Dame thing, like I, I think that his, someone made a point 
on Twitter, and I completely agree with it, that, you know, maybe he is just the slightest bit overvalued. Or, you know, I, I don't know if a team would be willing to just go all in to get Damian Lillard. He's 31 years old, and his contract, I believe, runs until he's 34. He gets paid a lot of money, obviously. I don't know if it's, I mean, I think that if you're the Blazers, you have to build around him at this point, you know, because. Yes, you've made your bet there. Exactly. But I, I think, I, I don't, I don't think it's shocking that they didn't unload him at this deadline, I guess is the point. But also, like you said, you know, if you have sort of a short window with Dame, right. Cause you're building around him. I mean, I, I, maybe you just go out and get, you know, James Harden, if he doesn't move. Right. You know, I know that I think the consensus is that he signs with Philly and free agency. I don't, I still don't think that I think that the Sixers I've been trying to tell my friend that's a Sixers fan because I learned my lesson with the Knicks and Carmelo Anthony. It, it just I don't think it makes much sense to go trade for him right now. You get you can get something really good back for Ben Simmons and then you can add James Harden over the offseason. I know that it's a good year to go for a title because there's a lot of parity in the NBA. I also think that the Sixers could win the title without James Harden and 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 maybe just by adding a couple of really mm-hmm. solid um you know, rotational pieces in exchange for Ben Simmons, or maybe, you know, getting draft capital, moving up, getting someone really good in the draft, adding James Harden, you could be insane next year. Um, But on those lines, John Wall, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, you know, Bradley Beal to an extent, like these are not exciting names, but also if you have a 32 year old point guard, um, it might not be the worst idea in the world, or it, it, I wouldn't say that I would say, they might be the most perfect home you could really have for one of those guys because, you know, Harden and, and wall. I mean, who knows if we've wall, even, you know, plays my goodness, he hasn't played in so long and he's been injured and it's really sad. But like, also, I don't know what the fit would be next to Damian Lillard, but like, yeah, even I, if I think would, if, if the even goal is say Harden, John Wall as the number two, I, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think that's I'm just looking at the I, guys I who get paid the that. most money who that's are free happening. agents. No, I don't think Levine's coming, but like, I'm just looking. I'm looking either. down the list. I'm looking down the list of guys. I, I look. All I'm saying is, I think their options are pretty wide open here. I think you get whoever you can get because you have the ability. I you you. I think it makes more. It does make some semblance of sense to put an old guy next to Damian Lillard. Is my point. Like it's not like you have no, sure. a 26 year old budding superstar and you want to surround him with the guy who's going to be there for six years. Like yeah. you know, you're basically going for it. So you you take what you can get. And I yeah. I agree with you that the the class is pretty bad. You know, aside from Levine, who's unrestricted, you got you got you know plenty of plenty of restricted free agents, and then old guys who you know you don't really know what you're going to get out of them. So, yeah, I would I would say that uh, I would say that it's kind of a tough situation to be in for Portland, but at the same time, it what other situation are they going to be in? Let's talk about the Clippers. Well, Come no, on. no, 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 not quite yet. We can't jump the gun on the Clippers. I want to go to the Pels first, and then we then okay. we'll finish with the Clippers. Um, what are the Pelicans doing here? Like I. I like the roster now more than I did five hours ago, but I also don't feel any differently about the ceiling of this team. I, I think they sealed their fate as a play-in team, mostly because the team that was right behind them in the standings in Portland is now completely dropping out. So they will finish in the top 10, but I, I mean, adding CJ McCollum doesn't make me think all of a sudden that this team could beat the Suns or beat the Warriors in a first round series. Um, it, it's just, it, it's kind of feels like this is how they've operated really since the Anthony Davis trade where, you know, you kind of have this big reset, you get all these assets from LA and then, you know, instead of you know, kind of doing this slow build and, and using those assets to, to build a powerhouse, you know, they let Lonzo ball walk. They, they make the bizarre Devonte Graham 
sign and trade. Um, you know, Graham and McCollum is the worst defensive backcourt in the league. Brandon Ingram doesn't help that at all. Zion, even if he comes back, is a terrible defender. Uh, I just like, like, what's going on here? I don't know. Like, does Zion have like a lifelong friendship with CJ McCollum? Did he demand this move? Like, if I'm if I'm Zion Williamson, I don't feel I don't feel any better about signing. You know, my my rookie extension with this team now just because CJ McCollum's here. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand the the direction either i also think that i i think that the zion ship is sort of i mean i say this with no inside information but to me the zion ship is sort of sailed right like i i don't think his future is with this team i think that he he sees i this this is this league is so player driven now that zion sees this roster he doesn't want to play on this team like and and to your point about free agency who who the hell are they going to get to be like oh yeah Zion you want to you want to stay here right like this guy's going to demand a trade and he's going to lose some weight and he's going to be insane somewhere else but like Herbert Jones that was a good pick right like they they have some they have some there's some good stuff about this team but like you said there's no there's no semblance of defense they played defense for one week a couple of weeks ago that was it that's 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 all the defense will play for the whole year and to me like. Why are you adding McCollum when you could? I, I mean, I know that Valanciunas is. I don't think his Valanciunas's deal is that good, but like, I mean, I, why don't you just try to sell him? Like, why don't you just sell sell off some pieces? I, at this point, maybe even you sell Brandon Ingram. Like, I don't know if if, if Brandon Ingram really is like a huge long term asset for you. I. It is just really confusing what they're doing, I, and CJ McCollum just doesn't really seem to fit the mold of a rebuild. It does feel it does smell like a desperation plea to get Zion to play, but to your point, why, why in the world would he want to play with TJ McCollum? I mean, maybe, maybe it makes it more appealing for a free agent. Like, I, I'm just trying maybe. to figure out, like, maybe like because TJ McCollum's there, you know, maybe they're able to add, like, I don't know. I mean, they're not going to add Zach Levine, right? Well, but maybe I, they I think do. You're I don't be know. Like, out, right? I mean, you're you're paying yeah, McCollum near that's back. That's true. You know, Brandon Ingram is making a ton of money. Valanciunas makes a lot of money. You know, assuming you re-sign Zion, that's going to be a max. So, like, you know, there's not – and where else are you even going to add somebody? Like, you, you're you locked in. You have your starting five. You know, assuming it's Valanciunas, Zion, Ingram, McCollum, Graham. Like, that's what you're set in going forward with. Like, this just feels like a – this feels like a dysfunctional version of what the Bulls have successfully built. You know, it's like none of these guys – Of course. Defense. It, it like the timeline ironically with Lonzo ball right right you you bring in a I, I, like everybody loves McCollum I think McCollum on a contending team would be like an all-time mid-season addition you know I, I was always right. big on adding him to the Sixers I know why they didn't I get I get why you hold out and try to find better value trying to find a better fit but like McCollum on any of the top five or six teams in either conference makes a ton of sense McCollum on the 10th best team in the Western Conference which you know the centerpiece of the organization is a 21 year old who's injured and, you know, even the rest of the court, like Brandon Ingram is still what, like 24, 25. Like he's still super, super young. He turns 25 in September. It just doesn't add up. I, it, it, it really makes no sense. And yes, it makes him a better team in the short term. But if I'm the person in charge of evaluating David Griffin, I don't think I look at this move and say, this man is a genius. Like he has saved his job with this. I mean, I don't think, I think he, it sounds more like he's trying to get out of there. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to be there anymore. Potentially making bad trades. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a question for you. Do, are the Bucks? cause you would know this, are the Bucks going to bring back Dante DiVincenzo? He's a restricted free agent. I read this morning that they uh, are considering trading him to Boston for Dennis Schroeder and potentially Grant Williams. So, so they're we'll going to trade him as opposed to just let him walk and take uh, uh, and, and 
in free agency. I think that's the right move. I don't, I don't think they should pay him. I mean, I, I, he's been fine. He's been a good soldier is the way I would put it. It's been super unlucky to get hurt right at the beginning of the title run, kind of miss all of that and then come back on the fly. And, you know, Pat Connaughton's playing really well. You basically bring in Grayson Allen to replace him. You still have Wesley Matthews, still have Rodney Hood. Like he's become expendable. So I think it's one of those moves that smart teams would probably not bring him back. And if you can get value for him or even just beef up your roster for, for another run this year at the deadline, I think you do it. I'm, I'm not emotionally tied to Dante DiVincenzo. I don't, I don't think that would so, come back to bite them if that's what you're asking. I, well, no, I didn't. I'm just asking because it's, it's an int- he's, he's a, I think he's good. And I think he's a very interesting free agent. And when you consider the fact that it's such a weak class, he also, yeah. um, just because I, I was looking through this list because we were just trying to come up with possibilities. I think the guy that the Trailblazers are going to sign and try to get people excited about, and it's not going to work, is Victor Oladipo. Uh, we need to see Victor Oladipo play basketball. I, I, but I think that's, video that's last a perfect week guy, right? You have you have a lot of money, and no one wants to come. And I mean, the thing you're is, the only, you, you know, you're, you have to spend it on somebody. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, man. like, I, I understand what you're him saying. Him and Nick but, like, Batum, Lillard, and there you go. Is that okay? If you're Lillard and the big splash is Oladipo, I don't know if it would be a big splash anymore. He's like 30 years old, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know if they're gonna go for one. I don't know if they're gonna spend all the money on one guy. I just don't think it's it's possible right now. I, I, right. I don't know. I mean, well, I, I'm not. What, a, that's what I'm saying. I feel like they're gonna end up building a, another version of the same team. Yeah. No, you're right. They. I mean, yeah. it, it. Ironically, they could. I mean, Covington's a free agent. They could be, <laughs> just go get him back. Yeah. Like I, I think they could get some of their old friends back, like him and Nick Batum. Exactly. Um, there, there's a point. There's plenty of guys who are decent, you know, role players out there. You know, I, I think I, you know, mm-hmm. some of my Clipper friends, like Serge Ibaka and now Covington, but like also just, you know, uh, a Derek Jones Jr. is an unrestricted free agent. There's interesting possibilities, but there's no one big splash. So, I, I don't think it's really a good year to have sal- mm-hmm. uh, a salary cap room, and I think that's also why. I've been so anti trading for Russell Westbrook as a Nick fan. Cause everyone's like, Oh, well, you know, he leaves and the salary has gone. And you're like, yeah, but like, what, wh- like you don't need it right now. Um, you want a guy exactly. that's going to expire in a couple of years. So yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know. To be fair, this is, I think this has been a, a good trade deadline so far. And I, I know that it's, oh, yeah. it's like, it, I, I think it's like, the trades have been, or there was a, there's one abhorrent trade and the trades have been kind of confusing, but I also would like rather this than, you know, just like guys getting picked, shopped around for second round picks. I mean, we still have two full days until the deadline. Yeah. I, th- I think it's been fantastic so far. And chances are, you know, we don't get this many big time deals over the next 48 hours, but all things considered, I think it's already been a victory uh, for the NBA like news cycle. Uh, I got about 10 more minutes here. So I want to set you loose on the LA Clippers before we get out of here, uh, take this any direction you want. I know you're excited about the addition of Powell and Covington. Well, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't understand how you look at this team and don't see that they're going to win the finals. That that's, that's my, that's my big takeaway here. I think that this is in, this is an objectively insane team. And I, I almost feel like uh, there's been rumblings about them adding even another wing. And I feel like there's so much doubt on the fact that, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who I'm pretty sure didn't even have a whole, he only had a partial MCL tear. Like it wasn't even like he tore his whole knee. Um, and PG are going to come back. I think that those guys, I mean, from, from what we've, what we've heard are definitely going to come back for the stretch run. This team has been good enough to stay in the playoff hunt in the playoff picture, actually under Ty Lue. He, he's done an exceptional job. 
So I just don't understand, like, if you're looking for a team to root for, you're looking for a team that's going to win the finals. I don't understand what more the Clippers need to do to garner your attention at this point. Because if you think about it realistically, their lineup is go. I don't know who their backup point guard is, but we'll figure that out. They're not going to be Reggie Jackson, Paul George, um, Robert Covington or, or Norman Powell, Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Morris, which is a great lineup. And, and then their, their bench unit, we've seen what Luke Kennard's been able to do. We've seen um, some some huge huge contributions from Nick Batum and, and Serge Ibaka has been good. You know they have Kennard Man in the backcourt with Ibaka at the stretch five and Batum and like I just I, I just think this is objectively a, and then either Powell or Covington right depending on how you want to play it. That second unit would be starting for the Pacers like that's a, that's the Pacers starting five. They would be happy to have that starting five right now. That's the same quality to me. Um, so I I don't know I I think that. I just think they're so deep and they are so well coached. And those are two things that went out in the playoffs. We saw this team, they should have beaten the Phoenix Suns and gone to the finals last year without Kawhi Leonard, who is one of the like five best players in the world. Getting him back on top of a team that's been able to put themselves in playoff position without PG and Kawhi. To me, I, I just, I'm really excited. And I think that this trade was huge for them. I think getting rid of Bledsoe was a great move because I, I, again, I thought that he was okay, but he wasn't a great fit there. Now you get two amazing three and D. I mean, they just, they just have so much shooting. They can come at you in so many different ways. And Reggie Jackson has been outstanding for them. I never thought I would say Reggie Jackson was outstanding. The last two years of Reggie Jackson have been phenomenal. So I, I just think it's exciting times for the Clippers. And, you know, I, I just, I also see a ton of opportunity, whether it's the, the Sixers trading Ben Simmons and getting, you know, st- getting stacked, right? Like just just adding a couple more players, or or the Clippers right here, you know, maybe the Lakers, uh, you know, I don't know, making some miraculous trade. I don't know who they're going to trade. Maybe just trading away Russell Westbrook and Taylor Norton Tucker because they're hurting the team. I just think that there's so much opportunity this year because the Nets have floundered in such a huge way. The Bucks are kind of just treading water. You know, the number one team in the East is the Heat, and I I feel like people have their doubts about them. Uh, there's this is the year to go for it and the Clippers are going for it and you got to respect that they got they got a lot of promise they got a lot of talent and when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are back on the floor it's it's over it's over for the rest of the league so I agree with just about everything you said if those guys come back there's an awful lot of conjecture going on here that these guys are for sure coming back and I I do think at least one of them is back. I, I I think some of the messaging from the Clippers has been intentionally vague. I, I think they would almost like it to be a surprise if one or both of those guys, especially both, come back. This team, with both of those guys healthy, and if, if Kawhi looks like Kawhi, I, I put them in in Tier 1, may, maybe on the top of Tier 2 in, in Western Conference title contenders or even league title well, contenders. Who's better so than them? All that. I, just, I just don't think it's a guarantee that these guys are coming back. However, the fact that you make this deal, I think, implies that you think they're coming back. Right. I don't think you load up like this just to, you know, get the seven seed and, and probably lose in round one to the Warriors. Right. Right. Of course. And I, I know that. Yeah. I mean, that's th- th- these are two guys that are proven in the playoffs. Norman Powell gave the Toronto Raptors huge minutes in the playoffs. Covington, we just talked about the Blazers extensively. He was just about the only thing besides Lillard, obviously, that was working for the for the Blazers end of last year. I mean, he was hitting clutch threes. They just have a, a bunch of dogs on their team. And you have to you have to admire 
this collection of of like length and and uh and and scoring ability and defense like i do think that this signals that they they think at least paul george is coming back probably Kawhi leonard as well and that's just i'm just I'm, that's why i've allowed myself to get a little excited about thinking about what the starting five would be and then you you have like a man canard you know covington or powell abaka batum second unit is huge i don't have i have any i mean obviously they'll mix in zubats as well because you know, I mean, I don't know if they, if they don't want to play small ball or whatever. And I, you know, I think Morris as a starting small ball five or, or the primary five on this team is, is really exciting. I just think, I don't know, there's a lot to be excited about, especially, you know, yeah, they're very deep and they, they play defense and they play hard and they're going to have an insane score in Paul George, which somebody did last postseason. So I mean, I, I don't want to get too excited because I think there's obviously the shred of a possibility that, um, you know, a small percentage chance that these guys don't come back. But, I, you I know. think it's 50-50. Ooh, I don't know. If, I mean, the Clippers are 60-1 to one to win the finals right now. That that tells me that, that Vegas does not think they're coming back. Well, Vegas doesn't always – Vegas doesn't always know. I mean, they, what weren't they like uh, Weren't they like 100-1 to one when we talked last time? I, I don't know. I don't know. Thought I they feel were. like they wouldn't drop them that far. Maybe 80. Um, but 60 to 1. I mean, they have they have the same odds as the Boston Celtics to win the title right now. Yeah, I think that's wrong. That's crazy. All right, man. We did not get to Levert to the Cavs. I'll cover that with Alex on Thursday. We're going to do a full recap of everything, uh, including some of these deals, uh, but focusing, of course, more on what happens over the next 48 hours. Kenny, appreciate talking with you as always. We'll have to do it again after the break. Yeah. And I think it's telling that a team that's 27 and 20, it has the same odds as a 30 and 25 team that's, that's cruising in the Eastern conference because these guys are coming back and they are in the hunt right now. So go, go get, I told you to get your Clippers futures last podcast. The odds are a little shorter. Now there's still value. There's still time before it's too late. Go get the Clippers to win the finals and uh, always listen to this man's podcast because it is full of great information and it's great to be part of it. Nick, it's great to talk to you. And I hope that you have uh, a great night of, I, I mean, let, let's hit this over under, right? Let's, let's hit this. Let's hit this treble as they would say in great Britain. Let's get this with the Suns and oh, the yeah. Sixers. Absolutely. MKF monkeyknifefight.com. Check it out. Kenny appreciate it as always, brother. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.